0: Welcome to the Manufacturing IT Podcast, where we talk with leaders across Industry 4.0 and discover the latest technology and automation. This podcast is for anyone with Industry 4.0, whether you're an MES Engineer or Head of Automation. Make sure you tune in and enjoy the episode. Before we get into it, hit like and subscribe, and don't forget to comment and add your views. The Manufacturing IT Podcast is brought to you by Manufacturing IT Recruitment. Enjoy the episode.
1: Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of the Manufacturing IT Podcast. I'm joined today by Paul Kramer, Frontwell Solutions in Germany. Paul and I are going to be talking about hypercare. It's a subject I know Paul's passionate about. And it's a subject that I'm keen to learn more about and, and share this knowledge with, uh, with, with the audience. So, Paul, please please introduce yourself and uh, tell everyone a little bit about you.
2: Hi, Daniel. Hi, everyone. Thanks. thanks for having me, first of all. I appreciate the opportunity. As you know, I, I've been working on the MES conference before, so um, I'm a big fan of, of networking and, and knowledge sharing. So, um, yeah, appreciate being here and thanks for, for the invite. My name's Paul. I work for Frontwell Solutions and um, I'm a project manager here. We do we do all, all kinds of things in the in the MES project lifecycle from, from project initiation to process, process engineering, MBR design, validation, and also hypercare, which which we're going to talk about today. Um, I feel like it's a it's a it's an interesting, interesting topic. I'm gonna explain a bit more later on. Yeah. Been working at Front Row Solutions since since the beginning of the year and and, and uh, really appreciate the opportunity to be here and share some of the things that, that, that really we've, we've learned about MES and, and and the hypercare phase that that comes right after the go life.
1: Yeah, no, thanks, Paul, for joining us. I, I think you and I connected a little while back when you were working for WeConnect, who run the kind of Pharma MES conference and such. So what, what was the reason for you kind of moving from from that side of things into, into kind of project delivery and, and joining Frontwell?
2: Well, you know, when you're, you're organizing a conference like the Pharma MES Berlin, you have a really bird's eye perspective on things and lots of theoretical knowledge. Yeah. And I became increasingly interested by by manufacturing and by how how software can can really drive efficiency and quality. So I wanted to move closer, let's say closer to the shop floor, yeah. like knowing more what's really going on, what what people really need, and how software can help. And um, then I got the opportunity to 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 join Frontwell, and it's been really really interesting so far, and, and I've learned a lot of things. So. So I'm um, yeah I'm happy about the move and and getting closer to the to the topic of MES and, and meeting the the MES com- community in, in their let's say in their natural habitat not only at the <laughs> <laughs> at the conferences yeah. but going to client sites and and uh, seeing projects from very closely so that's, yeah it's it's been it's been very interesting so far.
1: Okay, no good stuff. I, I know Frontwell Solutions. I, I've worked with van and Vishnu for a while now, and uh, I, I've seen that the business grow over the last kind of year, eighteen months or so, and and uh, seen many good staff members join them. So uh, when there was an opportunity for us to, to jump on a podcast, talk about something, I was I was really keen to to have you on and to share some of the wisdom that uh, <laughs> that you guys are building over there.
2: <laughs> yeah thanks we've been growing quite a lot over the the past few years um mm. we're um a little over 30 people now so continuing to to hire and to to grow and getting new projects new people on so um it's it's really going up and yeah this these kind of connections you know also getting the word out that we're there and that, that we're we're ready to help is 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 really great. So so it's great to be on here and, and, and discuss a little bit about the the knowledge that we have and what we can what we can provide.
1: Yeah, no, sounds good. So, so when I first uh, mentioned to, to yourself about joining us on the show, you mentioned you were keen to talk about hypercare. Now, I'll, I'll be honest, hypercare is not something I'm I'm deeply rooted in in my recruitment experience or my technical knowledge. So, I was ke- as keen as anybody to to listen to what you got to say and learn about hypercare a bit more. But um, yeah, why did you choose hypercare, and you know, what was your thoughts about you know, that as a topic for us?
2: Yeah, sure. Thanks for asking it's only natural that you don't hear about uh, hypercare so much i would say because it's a it's a topic that in it project management in in life sciences is a it's a bit neglected i would say from from the experience that we have gathered because so much of the project success depends on the planning and strong execution and then the the go live after testing and and development is 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 done and the go life is kind of seen as the as the outcome. so it's the the final step is mm. the goal life. So most of the energy and the dedication and the resources and and all that goes into that in the, into that development and and testing phase. and um we see that it's it's sometimes, you know, People lose focus and, and and don't don't really think about what happens after the go-life. And as you know, sometimes when you're flying, you'll you'll be much more likely <laughs> to remember the, the the landing than um you'll be likely to remember the the very smooth flight, maybe. So this puts a lot of lot of importance on the on the on what happens after the go-life, on the transition phase from from this technical readiness of the system to its true. Adaptation by the by the users, and um, that's why we think that that hypercare support is really really a topic that, that that we should talk about more, and to get to to get the the stabilization period right. Um, so that's why why I propose to speak a little bit about hypercare today, and we also know that the true success of any system, and especially with MES, depends on on the acceptance of the users in the long term. So if you don't okay if you don't get those on board you will have a lot of trouble creating those benefits in terms of quality in terms of efficiency that you mm-hmm. you were expecting and if the users be it right after the go live or in the in the following weeks if they get the feeling that they they are not being helped that there's no one there to support them with the queries that they have with the issues with the incidents they will get the, the feeling that the, the system is too difficult to use so this is really a crucial period where we can establish trust in the system stabilize the system and and and, and create those those long-term benefits that you that you want from the from the system and, so and being paul, there the, being able to answer those questions is really crucial
1: and, and what i was going to say paul is that that kind of change management and, and making sure that there's the user adoption of the new system, of the new platform, whatever—that's a really important phase. But um, h- how long does a hyper phase period last? Is it, you know, is there a standard period? Is there a defined period, or is it a case of case by case basis?
2: It depends a little bit on on the deployment methodology that that you have okay. chosen. So, so some people go with the with a big bang approach, where they mm. they go live with all with all lines, all manufacturing departments at once, or they take a phased approach where they go step by step. And in this case, the hypercare period would be a, naturally be longer, but less, less intense, okay. hopefully, I would say. Yeah. So if you go big bang, this would probably be a few weeks of very intensive care, and then you'd be able to, to phase out and, and hand over, over more and more of the support tasks to, uh, to the internal Dedicated MES support uh, organization,
1: okay. and and is there a is there a predefined methodology to hypercare? Is there a, a set standard for for that process and practice, or is it a case of again a case by case basis? But but a company like Frontwell, for example, working off of best practice that experience, or is there that predefined methodology?
2: It depends. It depends mostly on the on the pre existing organizational setup that you already have. So. You do not want to come in to an organization and disrupt kind of the, the information flow and the knowledge transfer that is already there. What we like to do is to, to have, in this, in terms of, of governance, we like to, to have a very dedicated meeting every day where we sit together with the IT, with the business and the users and really look at the, the incidents that come in and make sure that those get directed into the right direction because you ha- you can have many different kinds of incidents you can have classical user errors you can have um, actual software bugs you can have uh, MBI issues you can have issues with the IT infrastructure and all those need different people to take care of those and to resolve those so you want to have one meeting where the incidents come in and some people, call this you know a war room where where, where <laughs> all the incidents go and then the hyperca team can decide who needs to take care and react quickly and this is obviously it's a, it's very important to be able to to separate the noise from the the meaning from the noise in order to react swiftly to those incidents that are actually slowing down or stopping production which are the most the most critical ones obviously and then can you can have a on the side you can have a build up a sort of knowledge base where you get those user errors that are very common you can sort of build a, a wiki or something and make sure that that everyone is 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 is, is contribu- contributing to this and this way reduce the questions in the long term and then of course the second the second thing in terms of of the governance is that you want to create a sort of uh, knowledge transfer from the from the project team to the to the operations team, especially if you're creating an, an internal support or organization, it's very important that, the, that they come into the process as early as possible to make sure they don't. Once you open the floodgates, they don't get overwhelmed with, with incidents and <laughs> and uh, and problems. So that's that's very important. And what else in terms of governance or suggestions? Let me think. So yeah those those are the two two very important things to bring in bring in one, all the people in one room and um, and also to to get the project team and the operations team together as early as possible to establish that that continuity. And this is also where where external consultants can sometimes help because they kind of fill the the gap when the the project team kind of everyone goes their way and the the vendor has has delivered the solution. And then the operations team takes over, the, the run phase starts, then this, this transition can be, can be eased a lot by, by people who know the system very well and can, and, and stick with the project and this, during the, during the higher hyper phase into the, into the long-term operation of the, of the MAS system.
1: And with this, Paul. So, so the bit that I'm quite interested to to understand is, if you've got a, a manufacturer deploying deploying a system, you've got a vendor implementing the system, and then you've got a company like where helping on on that implementation phase. Who has ultimate responsibility for that hypercare? I mean, where does the responsibility from the vendor end and the uh, consulting company take over, and, and where does the end user manufacturer? take responsibility from for their system. So that's what I'm keen to see how that triangle and how that dynamic works.
2: Very very good question and this is a, is a, <laughs> it's a good one because this is obviously this is where where things get messy sometimes. yeah uh, this is where you need expertise to be able to tell okay, this is an incident that that we need to take to the software vendor vendor this is a software bug because the system has been delivered it's been accepted by the customer so ultimately it's the responsibility of the of the customer so anything that happens now after the go live is with the the end user company but sometimes this is standard in the, the contracts you have you have issues that need to be taken care of by the vendor so you want to to, to be pretty quick deciding or categorizing the, the the incidents that come in to be able to to separate those that you need to take back to the vendor and who okay. are the vendor's responsibility and those that are in your in the in the customers' realm. And then the consulting company, I think this is where we come in, is to to kind of help with sending those in the right direction and telling telling the customer this is a this looks like a like an infrastructure issue. This this is an NBR that needs to be fixed or we we we're going to take this to the back to the vendor and 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 uh, and hope for a for a swift solution of 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 a software software bug
1: and, and I guess in that that situation, that typical dynamic, there's always gonna to have to be a, a good level of communication between the three different parties to ensure that the project runs smooth and that, that the Kuiper care phase is is adequately monitored for, from each different perspective. But in terms of kind of your experience with with these scenarios and, and these situations, what are the kind of main lessons that that maybe Prunkwell have learned, but maybe lessons that you've learned are, are, are kind of most important in a go-life phase and, and a hypercare phase following that.
2: Yeah, sure. So I mentioned the Big Bang approaches earlier. And those from the experience that we have gathered at front, well that those those typically don't don't work very well. So if it's <laughs> possible if it's possible to to phase into the into the go-life and to to have a step-by-step hypercare phase also, mm-hmm. where you do hypercare for one for one for the first manufacturing step, and then for the next that's that's preferable from from our point of view.
1: change management so go ahead oh, just, so so that big bang approach is is not what what you might recommend in in the the process but but how common is that? I mean how common do companies go for that big bang approach? is that something that is standard in the industry or is that something that is is not so common?
2: I don't have any any specific numbers i think I think yeah. the big bang approach is tempting from a Management point of view to get it over with. I would have to follow up on on a precise number (laughs) on how many companies do the big bang instead of phased. And looking at the the number and the bottom line, I think it makes a lot of sense to to go big bang because you you only have to stop production once and then you you go live and then you 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 ramp back up. But looking at the medium term and and also. The benefits to the adoption of the system later on that's uh, we, we 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 like to recommend to to go step by step and and take it easy on the go
1: yeah no i get it sorry I, i'll let you get back you were explaining the um, the, the difference between kind of the, the traditional big bang methodology and then a more phased approach so yeah
2: yeah sure i was uh, moving into the second thing that that we we think is very important which is change management so you will which you also mentioned um you want to have very strong management support and um you also want the acceptance by the by the team and by the users and that's far more easier said than done i think everyone's heard how important this is but really putting a focus on it and and, and sticking to it during hypercare is, is something that we're seeing as being one one of the most, if not the most important, um, success f- factor for for um, MES implementations and 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 uh, and adaptation. The third thing that I wanted to mention is that there's a big difference between theoretical and practical user <laughs> training. Yeah, um, obviously, um, <laughs> but that's something we're really seeing in the post go live phase, in the hypercare phase. When if you have a, a user base that's practically trained on the system that knows the system well, you will get far fewer questions and better questions from the users. Yeah. So that's that's really key, key to have them trained not only on a theoretical basis but also on the on the practical basis. And then when these questions come in and you have a good hypercare team, you really can can go to the to the matter, to the issue of the matter right away and, and, and start finding a solution instead of, instead of being kind of distracted by those frequently asked user questions that, that kind of distract you from, from the actual issues that are harmful to, to, to the continuity of, of production.
1: That makes a lot of sense, Paul. And something you mentioned about the hyper care team, do you, do you think it's best practice for companies? Like Frontwell, for example, to to have a specific hypercare team that come in to specifically monitor and take care of this phase of the project, or do you think it's better that the project team follow all the way through and then finish with the hypercare phase? I, I'm just trying to understand if there's a, a a best practice or best approach that you guys believe in, or, or that you personally kind of have seen that works well. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, of course, it
2: makes sense to to keep the project team in the in the game, as long as possible, yeah. because they have the knowledge. And then, as I said, you want the regular, the long-term term support team, the long-term operations team, to come in as early as possible to have as much overlaps between the two as possible for the knowledge transfer. The vendor, they typically don't don't offer HyperCare support. It's it's good if they do because it's, it kind of shows that they are. And they care about what happens to you, to their solution, to the to the to what they delivered after mm-hmm. the go live. So sometimes they offer the resources, but those are mostly focused on the on the actual software okay. and bugs to to facilitate the the solution. And well, yeah, I would say the keeping the project team in the in the game as long as possible is is good. Bringing in the operations team as early as possible, and then for the external hypercare team to facilitate between the two
1: yeah and and you mentioned kind of vendors typically don't involve themselves too much in the of phase, and i I probably this question's been asked by by many manufacturers who have deployed a very expensive mes solution but but why don't the vendors take more of an interest in the user adoption or the change management or ensuring that all phases of a project run smoothly and and, and there really is a kind of deep rooted understanding and acceptance of the system.
2: I would think that that this is a really good. This is a very good question. I would think that uh, that is a it's a matter of capacity mostly. Okay. Uh, because developing the system and making sure it's ready to to be used already requires a lot of you know developer time and and mm. um, and testing capacity. And then once the, the 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 project is done and the and the system is 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 ready to be delivered to the customer. The focus kind of shifts to the next project with next development steps. Mm. That's kind of what I said in the beginning. You know where yeah. you focus on the, on the on the development and the testing and the implementation. Then you you you're ready to deploy, and then then you're happy to have done that and move on to the next project. So also on the vendor side, the hypercare not really a focus area, <laughs> although yeah. the, the customer would would highly benefit.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, and and i think that's that's i guess where companies like Frontwell can can really excel in terms of delivering successful project being able to ensure maximum satisfaction from the customer and maximum return on investment for 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 their implementation yes
2: yeah, sure and that's that's kind of the, opp- the the opportunity that we're seeing that there's a that there's a gap in this transition between the long term use and the and the technical go life where we can really facilitate and Bring a little bit of st- stability in this transition time, where there are lots of moving parts and 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 gaps and holes. And with the expertise, experience that we have, and the expertise that we have, in the team, I think this this is um, this 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 is a very good and natural fit for us to to provide to provide help.
1: And I guess also in terms of customer satisfaction, this, as you say, you remember the landing of the flight, not necessarily the takeoff. So, getting uh, getting good customer satisfaction and uh, approval for, from the stakeholders internally, it, it's a great way to leave uh, <laughs> positive memories of of the business.
2: Yes, yes, definitely. It's I mean, it's a it's a very stressful time and emotional time also for <laughs> yeah. some for some customers. So. Um, it's not. It's not a. It's not always
1: low stress. It's
2: not always <laughs> low stress. It, it's still. It's still a bumpy landing, but you know, being there, kind of like you know, you know how people on a plane they look towards the the stewards and the crew in case there's a there's turbulences. You always look at the stewards, and if they stay, if they stay calm, if they stay stay calm and, and relaxed, you're you good. Yeah. You know, you know, you're you know good. nothing's. <laughs> so yeah. this is kind of the role we're taking. You know, we're we're with the passenger, maybe also buckling up, but uh, we're with them, and we're we're making sure that 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 the landing is eventually a safe and and smooth landing.
1: I, there's an analogy about this. It, it's called be like the swan, and uh, on the surface of the lake, the swan is really calm cristine looking relaxed but uh underwater the uh the legs are pedaling really heavily and uh, <laughs> work, working really hard so so yeah maybe that, that analogy fits as well but um like one, one question yeah one, one question I'm, I'm keen to kind of get your thoughts on on paul is is how would you describe a successful hypercare phase now the interpretation of this i guess is, is going to be huge because what what you might interpret as successful is very different to somebody else but but how how would you describe it in, in your view and in your experience uh, a successful hyper care -care phase
2: overall i would i would say that the most successful hyper care phase is a very quiet one so you (laughs) okay (laughs) that makes sense you don't you don't hear a lot from the users they are working with the system they have been trained adequately they need very little support obviously you don't seem to have a lot of uh, software bugs that need to be fixed so that's that's good. And then also uh, you, 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 the HyperCare team uh, is just, <laughs> very it's just there. Maybe they can build up a knowledge base on the side to uh, what I mentioned before to, yeah. to prepare for, for future future events. You can you can um, look for further training demands. You can even look at you know um, efficiency gains and, and look at the users and how they're using the system and see if there any improvements that can be made. That would be the best case. But of course, you want to prepare... You want to, you don't want to take any risks. So having the hypercare ready and making sure that the response time is is, is very low is important. Uh, you can still work with the key users who can already soften some of the potential blows, and then of course trainings, retrainings, making sure that content is available. That's very important, even if the hypercare phase is 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 quite silent, which is in most cases. Rather unlikely that it just goes through like that, <laughs> and the fabric team is sitting in there in their war room yeah. uh, doing nothing. Yeah.
1: No. <laughs> okay, now, I guess that 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 does make a lot of sense, and obviously the the less busy the team are dealing fighting fires as such, then then obviously the projects has gone gone through largely um largely straightforward. But but there's one question I'm also keen to understand, and and I do appreciate if you might not have the you know complete answer for it, Paul. But uh, it, are, are there industries that that you're aware of, or industries that your colleagues or peers or whoever it might have been have have, have described how? This hypercare phase works really smooth. I mean, I know Frontball are specifically involved in pharma and biotech, and I know that's your background. But um, are there other industries you think that 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 pharma and biotech companies can learn from to to get better practice, or is there a, a, an acceptance that what's done in this space is is the best, is is the gold standard?
2: Um, I can only answer generally and say mm. that there's potential for other industries to have smoother hypercare periods because changes are easier to be made to the system yeah. because of GDP, GXP regulations, where yeah. any any change you want to make to the system at last minute or short notice, it's going to create a lot of problems. But that's not really something we can change because obviously those, those regulations are there for a reason. Good question. Let me,
1: let me look around and find out and let you know. <laughs> yeah, no good stuff. Well, look, Paul, I think today's chat's been, been really interesting, I, I've definitely learned some learned some good stuff. And um, hopefully this this information that we've discussed is, is going to be useful to the, the wider listening audience or hopefully watching audience on YouTube. But what I'd like to do also is uh, maybe invite you back once we can talk through a, a specific hypercare phase project or something that we can talk about um, some specifics and, and maybe you can talk to me about a, a project that that went went extremely well, or, or better still, maybe a project that went really bad and, and you managed to kind of save the day. That that would be good.
2: Sounds good. Sounds good. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'd be I'd be happy to come back and and talk some more. Thanks for the opportunity.
1: No, my, my pleasure, Paul. Look, I'll speak to you again soon. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Goodbye. Bye. Bye.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Manufacturing IT Podcast. Don't forget, hit like and subscribe and add your comments below. The podcast is brought to you by Manufacturing IT Recruitment. Get in touch with Daniel Langley if you're looking for a new role or if you'd like to add talent to your team.